You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. I love uh, what Channing said before we sang that song because the reality is that we do as Christians, like it's, it's like a roller coaster. There's those high moments where you feel close to God and everything is awesome. And, and there's other times, the lows, where you're like, Lord, what is going on? Like, what, why is this happening? And that kind of is a good segue to our, our new sermon series for Tuesday night. It's called, Why God? You ever have why questions for God? And I don't mean like stupid, like, uh, why is the sky blue? Like, like things like that, but genuine why questions. So the, the question we're going to look at tonight is why, God, did you give me this desire if you're not going to fulfill it? Has anyone ever struggled with a, que- a feeling kind of like that? A lot of you are shaking your head, not raising your hand. That's okay. <laughs> of why did you give me this desire if you're not going to fulfill it? So probably the most common one would be, God, I'm going to speak from a girl's perspective here. God, Oh, excuse me, Lord. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Why did you give me the desire for a boyfriend, for a husband, if you're not going to give me a boyfriend? <laughs> Amen. That's right. That's what I heard. And even the dudes, like I saw some, I saw some fist bumping. Lord, why did you give me the desire for a girlfriend if you ain't going to provide it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't lie. You know you thought that way before, Right? Or even maybe something, if, if you're a freshman, maybe you don't feel this pain yet. Maybe the young adults feel this. Of, Lord, why did you give me this desire to go into this particular field, to study? I even got a degree in, in whatever, like, potential, uh, like, job field this is. And why did you give me that desire if, if you're not going to make that happen? Amen. Um, <laughs> or even sometimes that maybe it's, Lord, like, why do I have this continuing, almost nagging desire for community, for Instagram-worthy type relationships if you're not going to give me those friendships? Y'all felt that before? Have you felt that before? Yeah, we got to work on this. Like, this is a conversation, okay? Like, I'm not up here talking about myself, okay? I, I, I go crazy. If you were here on Sunday, you know I'm kind of crazy sometimes. <laughs> I killed some bats when I was in high school. It's a long story. Anyways. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm going to set the record straight one day, okay? That's not a threat. It's not a threat. <laughs> um, or maybe some of you, like, that feel, God, why is it that, like, I have this desire to want to overcome sin, to, to have victory over sin, and, and I don't feel like you're providing that? Those are, those are valid questions. I, I do want to say this. While those are real feelings, those, like, that's not always the best question, or maybe it's like the most theologically accurate question. It's, it's a valid question. But the, the question of, God, why did you give me this desire if you're not going to fulfill it? I don't know how accurate that is. Um, because when I think it, or a couple reasons. One, I think it makes God, or it's this idea, this, like, this perspective of God being this mean, teasing God. Who, who like, who, the picture is almost like this. We don't conceptualize it this way, but this is really what, at the heart of the issue, what's going on is, when we think we're like a victim, God gave me this desire, he won't give it to me, it's almost like we're envisioning God being like, hey, angels, check this out. <laughs> hey, I'm going to give you a desire for a girlfriend. 
and you're never going to have it, boy, that's going to suck for the rest of their life. <laughs> that's not what God does, right? He doesn't dangle something in front of your face and for all your life. He's like, you can't have it. Like, that's not the kind of God he is. That's not what he does. And really, any, any view of God that makes you feel like a victim is a faulty view. <laughs> like that's, that's a bad understanding of, of who God is. And I don't think there's like a, this, uh, well, I do think God creates us with certain passions and things like that, desires. And we'll talk about that, I think, like week four or five of the series. The reality is, I don't think it's this idea of like, God put this desire in you and then he may fulfill it or may not. Like that's, that's kind of a faulty view. Regardless of the fact that, the, why did you give me this desire if you're not going to fulfill it? Regardless of the fact that that's not like a great, solid question, the reality is, we still feel that way sometimes. Am I right? So y'all catching what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's a fair question that we struggle with, though not 100% theologically accurate. It's, stu- it's still a fair question that we all wrestle with. Why did you give me this desire? Why do I want this? Why do I feel this way if you're not going to actually do it, if you haven't done it yet? So here's what I want to do tonight for looking at the idea of why did you give me this desire if you're not going to fulfill it? I want to give us some biblical principles for how to deal with unfulfilled desires. And I'm, we're going to look at four different principles, biblical principles, of how to deal with unfulfilled desires. And I'm going to be honest with you. With you. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. The first one is, it could sound a little bit heartless, but I think it's super important. Okay? So here's the first one. It's really simple. Do your part. <laughs> Do your part. So let me, this one, like, if I'm going to get in your grill at all, it's probably on this one. It's silly, even ridiculous, to whine and complain about your lot in life if you won't do the things God has already equipped and enabled you to do. Does that make sense? Yeah? So, uh, it's silly to be frustrated. God, why won't you do this? If he's, he's giving you all you need to do, you just won't do it, right? That's silly. So th- some biblical examples that come to mind would be think about Moses and the Israelites when he was going to lead them out of Egypt. What if like, so God had called Moses, you got the burning bush thing, that's kind of crazy. He gives him his staff that's going to turn into a what? Do y'all remember? Into a snake, which that would like totally freak me out. I think I'd be out at that point. I don't do snakes. But he gives him this staff that turns into a snake. He's going to do all these amazing, uh, like, well, it's not amazing, biblically speaking, but terrible for the Egyptians, these plagues. What if God had done all that, and then it came time for the exodus? Like, it t- the, the time came, the night came, where they were supposed to get up from Egypt and just walk out into their freedom. They've been hoping for this, praying for this. God had done all these miraculous plagues. What if they had been like, I don't know, God, that's a lot of work. That's a long way. <laughs> as hot outside, as humid, I ain't trying to walk. There's, mosquitoes, there's still mosquitoes flying around that you sent. I ain't trying to get up and walk. Like, what a lame, like, in, I think the Bible may have ended right there. Like, God just, like, killed them all, and it would just end. Like, we wouldn't be here. No. They had to get up. He had made a way. He had enabled them. And so they just had to, to get up and walk in the freedom and the victory that he had provided. They had to do their part. Does it make sense? I think another biblical example is kind of similar that comes to mind is uh, Joshua and the Israelites, and they were going to go into the promised land. God had formed them into a pretty incredible military power. He was going to go before them and, and 
drive out the enemies, drive out the people of Canaan of, of the promised land, but they had to go. And he even had them do some crazy things. We'll admit it, like walk around Jericho, seven, was it seven days, right? And on the seventh day, they walked around seven times. Like do some crazy things, but God was going to go before them. God was going to provide the victory. They, they just had to get up and go. I think about in the book of Psalms, over and over again, if you read through the Psalms, you see this so much of the psalmist saying, Lord, I'm waiting on you, and I'm not just waiting. I've done my part to, to position myself to be right with you, meaning like, Lord, I'm going to choose righteousness over sin. I'm going to choose to be in your presence over the presence of the wicked. I, I'm going to remain true. I'm going to be faithful so that when you, when you do work in my life, I'm ready to receive it. Does it make sense? Like, I, I, I'm prepared. I'm ready. I've done my part. It also makes me think, turn if you have your Bible to Luke chapter uh, 9. Luke chapter 9. I want to read a little portion from there. Luke chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse, starting in verse uh, 57. Luke 9, verse 57. I don't think this is about unfulfilled desires, but I think there's still a, a point here to be made. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. Let me time out here for a second. For a rabbi, which is what Jesus was, for a rabbi to invite someone to, someone to follow them was the honor of a lifetime. Like young men in that day, man, they, they longed for, they desired, they, they dreamt, is that the right word, dreamt? They dreamed of, like dreamt better, they dreamt of being called by a rabbi. So Jesus is walking along, and he says he sees a man, he says, follow me. But I'm halfway through verse 59. But he says, the man says to Jesus, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So I love that last one. Jesus, I, I want to follow you. You've got this invitation for me to follow you. But first, let me go say peace out to my friends back home, my family back home. Let me go do that. And Jesus says, hey, the choice is yours. Like, you can follow me now or you can go say goodbye to them. But you can't do both. He, this man had the opportunity Jesus had made it possible for him to follow him, like in a very literal rabbi, get covered in his, the dust of his feet kind of way. But the man had to do his part. <laughs> you got to do your part. It, it makes me think, if, if you, and I feel like we all have met people like this, who they want to get serious about like fitness and, and either like bulking up or losing weight, whatever it is. And so... Maybe like that you even encouraged them and you helped them get a gym membership that they can go. If you're at Tech or LC, like, or maybe I don't know if, I guess SBC has a gym. Like you, you, they have the membership they can go and they can work out and get their fitness on. And they even, maybe even show them the MyFitnessPal app where they can log all their calories and see not just like how many calories, but the macros, how much fat, how much protein, how many carbs, all that stuff. They do all that. And then if they're just like, you know, I really, I really want to do it, but 
nah, I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> Are you going to be frustrated with them if they've been, com- been complaining? Yes, come on. You, you, you are enabled, you are equipped to meet your goals, whether they get bigger or smaller, whatever it may be. You just have to do your part of actually going to the gym, of actually caring about what you eat. Taco Tuesday is totally on the list, okay? It's a good thing. <laughs> you got to do your part. So what does that look like in, in like our September 24th, 2019? Maybe it means just choosing to walk in the victory that God has already provided for you of, of overcoming sin. Or, or maybe like, this sounds maybe like a jump, but I think it's a, a legit thing in doing your part. I could probably, as a college pastor, I could probably be semi-rich if I had some money for every time a, a young college student or a young adult has said, man, I just wish I could, I wish I could just find me a girl. Ask her out. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Other girls say, yes, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> like, go talk to her. <laughs> I remember one time at, uh, I don't know why they let us do this, but at the South Coast Christian School dances, uh, before they got more legit, they used to have Garrett and I go and, and DJ for the dances, which it was really epic, I'm not going to lie. Garrett's the old high school pastor. He's coming for Fall Retreat. Another reason you should go to Fall Retreat. But I remember literally he would like get on the microphone and call out dudes like, uh, young lad so-and-so, go ask, get off the wall and please go ask a girl to dance. Don't be lame. I'm like, you can't say that on the mic, bro. Like, you're, you're also a youth pastor. You definitely can't do that, right? But seriously, I think sometimes doing your part is not just complaining, I'm talking to the guys here, not just complaining, God, why won't you provide a woman in my life? Like, try talking to some ladies, some godly ladies, <laughs> and, and don't be afraid to ask her out. Just because you ask her out doesn't mean you proposed, right? And girls, keep that in mind. Like, if you ask her out, it's not like, we're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> maybe it's not just asking the girl out. Maybe, maybe it's applying for the job. I don't know why I haven't gotten this job in my dream field. Have you applied? <laughs> Do your part. Maybe it's having the tough conversation. You're wanting reconciliation. You've been praying for it, that God will restore this broken relationship. Maybe he's already provided that, but you need to lean into that tough conversation. Maybe you've been trying to fight some sin, and God has given you the tools, but you just need to actually be willing to submit yourself to some accountability. <laughs> Whatever it is, do your part. <laughs> now, some of you are sitting here and you're like, yeah, like, I get it. And I feel like I've been doing my part and God's still not doing, like, he's still, I still got the desire and he's not providing. <laughs> I always say that that's, that's a fair response. If you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm doing my part, I'm, I'm pursuing Christ, I'm walking in righteousness, I, I'm doing what he's called me to do and what he's enabled me and equipped me to do, but you still feel like you're not getting anywhere. I think these next three things are going to be helpful. And, it, and even if you're doing some of them well, I'm going to bet that you could grow in at least one of them. Okay? So here's our second principle here, and that is focus on others. Here's the reality. The more you focus on your own disappointments, the more discouraged you become. <laughs> we tend to lie to ourselves and like, nah, the more I focus on the problem, the better it gets. That is bull, Right? The more you focus on your issues, the more discouraged you become. And what makes it so tough is aren't we all like this, we all tend towards this like 
inward, downward spiral vortex of self-centeredness and anxiety and depression and frustration, right? Right? We, we tend towards that. So the way, or uh, to say it like plainly, maybe, that doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> Definitely doesn't lead to like fulfillment. <laughs> so focus on others. I think a really good biblical example of that is in Ruth. If you have your Bible, turn over. So if you're in Luke, now you're going to go way to the left. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. That was for me, I promise. Because <laughs> I feel like Ruth is, but we don't always go to. But turn to Ruth, and we're going to be in chapter 1. By the way, speaking of Judges, Judges is a crazy book. If you ever want to read something crazy in, in the Bible, read Judges, Judges, and I promise you, you're going to be like, I got to talk to Brandon. I don't know what's going on. You thought me killing bats was bad. You don't even know, okay? <laughs> Ruth chapter 1. I got to let that go. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Ruth chapter 1. So here's, here's a quick little background of what's going on. So Naomi was this woman. Uh, again, I'm giving you the cliff notes. Married to this man. She had two sons. They each married a gal. Well, the husband and the two sons died. Now, Naomi was like the, the matriarch. She was, she was the mom. Um, so she lost her husband and her two sons. So it just leaves the mom and really her two daughter-in-laws, daughters-in-law. So she encourages them to go back to their homeland. She's like, hey, leave me. Go back to your homelands. Let's think about this for a second. Does Na- did Naomi have reason to be discouraged and frustrated? Yes. She lost her husband and her two sons. Did Ruth have reason to be frustrated and unfulfilled. Yes. (laughs) Lost her husband, no children yet. You could say it's probably still true today um, that like Naomi, especially being an an older woman, would have been um, very subject and open to abuse and mistreatment, but the same for Ruth as, as a young woman. So Naomi is worried about them, and she, I'm going to pick up in verse 15. She convinces uh, Orpah to leave. I should have named Carolina Tate Orpah. Anyways, she convinces her to go back to her homeland. So verse 15, she's talking to Ruth. She says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. This seriously, and I think probably like why we have this story, was incredible and not the norm. Ruth had every right to say, hey, you're right. I'm just going to try to start over. I'm young. Maybe I can find another man. Peace out. <laughs> but Ruth said, no, I'm going I'm to try to take care of you, Naomi. I, I'm going to stick with you and not just focus on, on me, but focus on how I can help and serve you. Now, if you, we don't have time to go through all of Ruth. But if you continue to read through Ruth, something happens in Ruth's story. Who does she meet? Boaz. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good name, too. Ah, she met Boaz. 
Now, Boaz was not just any dude. This, this was like a man of character and also a man, like a successful man. This is not a health and wealth message, but he, he, was, a, he was a successful man. And did Ruth and Boaz just stay friends? No, they ended up getting married, right? <laughs> they got married. I, here's what I'm trying to point out to you. I'm, I'm not pointing out to you that Girls, all you need to do is go minister to an old widow, and God will provide you the right man. <laughs> like, I'll just get up and leave. <laughs> like, when's the next uh, senior adult function I can attend? <laughs> like, no, that's not what I'm saying, that your husband will just magically appear, or your wife will just magically appear, dudes. What I am saying is that in the waiting and in the ministering to other people, focusing on other people, God often, I would say really always, works on you and also ministers to you. <laughs> Some of y'all have felt, felt that before. I remember uh, Lauren told me when she was in college, she remembers one night they were having like a college gathering worship night, and she was praying and trying to worship, but the whole time she was worshiping, she kept struggling with like, God, I'll be honest, I, I want a, a boyfriend. All my other friends, at least it feels like all my other friends are, at least have a boyfriend, or a lot of them are getting engaged, and I feel like no one is paying attention to me. Of course, I'm like, trust me, the dudes are paying attention to you. I, I know dudes, okay? But God, she's just her talking again. Is there something, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> and she felt like God kind of whispered into her ear, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not single for a reason. You're single for a season. And in this season, I'm gonna use you to minister to other people. And sure enough, that later that semester, she met a girl, her name is escaping my mind right now, but she met a girl um, that she told me, we're talking about last night, she said, honestly, had I had a boyfriend, she said, I probably wouldn't have made the time to invest in this girl, but because she had the time, she invested in this girl who did not know Christ, did not ever really go to church, and eventually led her to the Lord. <laughs> and obviously, God could have saved this girl a different way, but God used Lauren and her season of singleness and her season of being able to focus on others to change someone's life for eternity. And let's be honest, things turned out really well for Lauren, right? I mean, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> no, but it, she would say, looking back, like, that it seems so silly to have been so caught up and worried about it. So, so what's the point? Focus on others. <laughs> Maybe you're in this season of, of kind of waiting for whatever it may be that you're hoping and desiring and longing for. Trust that in that waiting, if you'll focus on others, God is going to do a work in you, and he's also, through you, going to work in other people. <laughs> and let's be honest, focusing, like we talked about a second ago when we brought up this point, just focusing on yourself doesn't help you get better. <laughs> a lot of times the remedy is relationship. It's, it's pouring into other people, listening to their story, asking questions about their life, seeing what are their unfulfilled desires, what are their longings, and as you minister to them, I promise you, God is going to minister to you. Focus on others. Now, even if you do those first two really well, of do your part, you focus on others, this, this third principle is still something you can't get around. It's just a reality because we live in a broken, fallen world. And that's number three, be patient. Be patient. Here's the reality. You growing into who you, like, who you feel like God has called you to be, you becoming all that God has called you to be is a journey. It's not an overnight thing, right? 
It's a process of God molding you and shaping you into who he wants you to be. It's going to take time. you got to be patient. I think, uh, great, we're not going to turn to a text for this one, but you're probably familiar with this story a little bit. I think a great biblical example of this is King David. So King David, I think it's 1 Samuel 16 or 15, I want to say, is when he was anointed to be the king over Judah and over Israel. And I, I got to believe, I think it's just common sense, that when, when he was anointed, because think about it, we, think, we feel like God puts a desire in our heart. If some dude shows up at Old Testament times, we wouldn't do this today. I don't think we would. Anyway, some dude shows up at your house like the, pro- the, the prophet of God. It's so not like behave. It's like the prophet of God shows up at your house and dumps oil all over your head. First, you're like, ew, that's gross. Like the oil is running all over your head. And he's like, hey, you, you are the chosen anointed king. You're the next guy. If there was ever a person that had a right to be like, man, I feel like God has put this desire in my heart. I think it would be King David, right? Like that's a pretty clear calling. And let's be honest, even if we know he was a man after God's own heart, don't you know that even like, this was not necessarily a bad thing, but as a human, didn't it have to like, it's good to be king, even Simba said, right? Like, couldn't wait to be king. The first one was better than the second one, I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> Hands down, that's right, thank you, Matt. But don't you know King David longed for that day to be king? Y'all, there were 19 chapters like literal chapters in the Bible, between him being anointed and him being the king over Israel and Judah. That's a long time. How many chapters in your life may God need to write or turn the page on to get you to where he's leading you? (laughs) It's not just overnight. God bringing you to the person he wants you to become or even like, just because I know it's a common uh, struggle here, I, even to bring you to that right relationship with whoever that guy or girl is, sometimes there's some chapters that have to be written in between. I really do believe, and I think like, Scripture bears this out, that the, the struggles and the temptations and the difficulties that, that David faced in those 19 chapters made him to be who he was, which is the greatest king that Israel ever knew. Ultimately, Jesus will be that great, is that greatest king. But humanly speaking, he was the greatest king that Israel and Judah ever knew. And you could say, like, arguably, though he was small, he was fierce, right? Goliath, that fool talking about our God, let's go, I'm about to slay this fool, right? And they're like, hey, you're, the armor doesn't even fit you. And he's like, I don't need the armor. Give me a slingshot. <laughs> I mean, this is a, a godly man, but he was formed <laughs> in, the, in the fierce wilderness, Right? Often, the desert is where God develops you. (laughs) The struggle is where God shapes you into who he wants you to be. So you got to be patient. Sometimes I think about, so Lauren and I both grew up in the Jacksonville, Florida area. She went to University of North Florida, which is in Jacksonville. I went to a small Bible college about three hours away. And I had really, my two schools I was really uh, debating between were between UNF, University of North Florida, and and the Baptist College of Florida where I went. And when I met Lauren, I kept thinking, man, I wish I would have gone to UNF to meet Lauren earlier, and like we could have met in college. And I felt like God was like, bro, you were not ready. Because <laughs> she would have been like, Psh, get on up out of here, right? But in like really the struggle of going through college and, and being in that season of life, God shaped me into the person I needed to be. 
So the point here is you got to be patient. I think so many times, I'll talk about this today, it made me laugh. I think this is a picture of, of us with God, and it's a picture of, of me with our kids. So some of y'all that babysit, you know what I'm talking about. So in the morning, the first thing they want is they want some milk, milk, which is milk, okay? Milk, milk. In case you're new, I have, uh, they were here earlier with my wife. We have twins, year and a half old. And uh, so they're st- finally starting to say some words. But it never fails. Well, I'm, I'm walking to the fridge. I'm going to get their milk. And they'll be like, <laughs> milk, milk, milk. I'm like, I'm working on it. Just quit freaking out, right? And like, I'm literally opening the fridge door and they're grabbing my leg, like shaking. I'm like, I- I'm getting the milk. Could you wait? Like just half a second. And sometimes what even happens is, I'll get Haddon, our little boy, his milk, and Carolina takes, she has some, we'll leave it at this, she has some stomach issues sometimes, so I have to add, uh, <laughs> it's literally some white powdery stuff, but it's not crack. Anyways, okay, <laughs> I have to add some stuff to, uh, to her milk, and so what will happen is I'll give Haddon his milk, and it just raises it up 10 notches, because she doesn't say anything, but you can tell in her eyes, she's like, you gave him his milk, but you haven't given me my milk. Milk, 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 right? She freaks out even more. But what I'm, do- what I'm doing is like, it's going to take a second longer, but it's for her good, right? Like the little white powdery concoction <laughs> in her milk is for her good because I know it's best for her. How often are we crying and complaining to God? And he's like, if you'll be patient, I'm working on this, <laughs> And I got this. But because we can't see it in front of us, we don't believe that it's reality. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I feel like so many of you, I'll, I keep coming back to this, uh, maybe it's spirit-led, I don't know. But like so many of you, you're, you're looking right here, you're like, man, I feel like God has got no one in my like, sights, whether you're in college or young adult, like no one to be in a, even a dating relationship with. And God is like, if you'll just wait about half a second, you're going to turn a corner and be like, oh my gosh, look at this. Like, be patient. And to go back to Haddon and Carolina Tate, so often we're like Carolina Tate and we compare. We're like, well, look at them. God, you gave them that relationship. You gave them the, the desires of their heart. What about me? And he's like, would you wait just a second? <laughs> I'm doing some things that are going to be for your good. <laughs> just wait. Be patient. Charles Haddon, Spurgeon old preacher from England said, when you can't trace God's hand, so when you can't, like with your eyes, see what he's doing, when you can't trace God's hand, you can trust his heart. You can know and remember that he's good and that he's faithful and he's not some teasing God who's like, oh, God, you you got this desire, but I'm never going to give it to you. No, he cares about you and he loves you. Lean in to the fact that you can trust him and that's really the biggest thing when you're dealing with unfulfilled desires. And at least to our fourth point, and that is run to Jesus. He is the only one, or you could say thing for that matter, but the only person, the only one that can truly fulfill your heart's desires. When you come to him, he says that you'll never thirst again. Yes, you may want more of him because you know that he's good, but he can satisfy and fulfill every longing that you've ever had and ever will have. (laughs) Did you know that scripture actually tells us to desire God, to delight in God, to love God? Mark 12, 29 to 31 says to love the Lord your God with what? 
all your heart, all your soul, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, right? Which like, so it's very fair to say the very like, basic idea of that scripture. He's saying your strongest affections should be for Jesus. If you're going to delight in someone, delight in Jesus. It's a command to love him, to delight in him. Speaking of delight, turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. While you're turning there, on the Mark 12 thing of your affections for Jesus, like if he's telling us to run to Jesus, to delight in him, to stir our affections for him. That means like you invest in your relationship with him. You, you seek out his goodness. But as for delighting in him, look at uh, Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So this is not like, like I found a way to get what I want from God. God, I really love you. I'll even raise my hand in worship. I really delight in you. Now you have to give me what I want. No, there's not some sick way to get what you want because God is not a vending machine. They're like, put a few quarters in, I'll spit out whatever you want. Like, no. It's also a sick view of God. What does it mean to delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart? As you delight in him, and you see and taste that he's good, like Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1 or 2, you're going to begin to desire what or who? Him. Yes. Like a really dumb quick example, if I go eat some Blue Bell ice cream, when I see that it's good, what am I going to desire? Some more ice cream. Hallelujah. For sure. Yes. <laughs> When you begin to delight in God and see that he's good, you're going to want more of him. You're going to, and also your desires are going to be to be like him. God, help me to have your love, to have your patience, to have your perspective of people. God, I, I want to know you. And y'all, that's not, that's not just some backdoor like trick that God pulls. There's nothing and no one more satisfying than Jesus. So when he says, come and delight me, that's the most unselfish thing he could do. He's saying, quit wasting your time on stupid other things and come and delight in me. <laughs> delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desire of your heart. She says, you want more of me? Here you go. <laughs> I'll give it all. Are you delighting in the Lord? Yes, all these other things are legit, and, and I think God cares about them, these other desires that you have. But it's amazing how when you delight yourself in the Lord, all the other things tend to find their place, right? <laughs> One more passage, and then we're done. Psalm 16, just to the left a little bit. Y'all still with me? Good. Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. What a cool picture. In his presence, joy reaches its maximum potential. Nothing else on this earth, including people, has that capability. Like, as amazing as my wife is, as much as I love her, 
There's like, there's still a ceiling to the joy in her presence. Same, she would definitely say the same for me, right? There's been a week on vacation. She may be like, you irritated me. Give me some space. No, I shouldn't say that, but that would be understandable if she did. But in God's presence, you never hit that ceiling. There's fullness of joy. <laughs> there's not a low. No, it, it, it maximizes. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So <laughs> in his presence, with him, the pleasures are unending. You can, get, you can go get something. You can uh, accomplish something. You can come into a relationship, but the pleasures are not forevermore. There's always a stopping point. They could go really far, even farther than you thought. Like, man, you get this new phone, you're so excited, but ultimately there's going to be a point where it's like, yeah, it's kind of lost its touch. I'm kind of done with it. In Jesus' presence, his pleasures are forevermore. They, they never stop. They never run out. Too many of us don't experience that and don't know that because we try to fill ourselves up on other lesser things. Y'all, I love Mexican food. And I love chips and salsa. But you know what the problem with chips and salsa is? I eat way too many. I, I just keep eating chips and salsa and chips and salsa. And you know what I love more than chips and salsa? is fajitas, yes. Or a good quesadilla, right? <laughs> There's a sympathy lap, Deb. <laughs> I don't know how, it's really literally every time. I get so frustrated because the food, the fajitas come out, and I'm like, dang it. I ate too many chips and salsa again. Like, this is, this is not the worst thing ever, but I'm missing out on what's best because I've already filled myself up, and I don't really desire the fajitas. And the reality is, if I just have, all I have is a steady diet of chips and salsa, like, I can't, also, I can get by a couple days on that, but I can't really live on that, right? We do that as Christians all the time. We fill ourselves up on the pleasures of this world, some of them not even bad. And then we kind of lose our taste and our desire for God because we've filled ourselves up on temporary, not as satisfying things. So, so, many, of us, so many of us don't know the unending pleasures of being in God's presence, in the presence of Jesus, because we've too quickly filled ourselves up on maybe like therapy shopping. Some girls are like, don't go there. <laughs> I'm a dude, but I kind of struggle. I ain't gonna lie. Or maybe like, I left it in my office, but too busy filling ourselves up on, or like numbing ourselves with our phone. Or maybe to get in your grill again, like maybe you're filling yourself up on a, not good desire, and uh, a temporary lasting pleasure of pornography. And so rather than giving yourself time and being patient to learn the unending presence and goodness of Jesus, you just keep going back and filling yourself up on pornography or whatever it is. And you're like, man, why don't, sorry, like, why, did, why is my heart not stirred in worship? Why am I not moved to, to love Jesus more? Why am I not just wanting to tell people about, man, Jesus is so good? It's because you're filled up on the crap, like chips and salsa, and you're missing out on the goodness of Jesus. Y'all with me? How do you deal with unfulfilled desires? You run to the only one who can actually fulfill you. Let's start flipping the script 
of filling up on worldly pleasures and like trying to get these desires, taking shortcuts and saying, I'm going to be patient and learn to delight in the presence of Jesus. Man, I, I think so many of us struggle with feeling like you don't feel um, smart enough or pretty enough or strong, swollen enough or spiritual enough. Like you're like, I'm never going to, like when am I going to be fulfilled if like I've reached that? Here's the reality. You're never going to feel strong enough or good enough or pretty enough. And you're especially never going to feel that way. You're always going to be uneasy about that if you try to fill those voids with things of this world. The remedy to those longings and those shortcomings and feeling like, God, when are you going to fulfill this desire where I feel like I'm actually like enough for you or for other people? The only way to actually like satisfy that longing is to slow down enough to be in the presence of Jesus and for him to be able to look you in the eyes and say, hey, you're right. You're really screwed up. You're not the smartest person. You're not the prettiest person. You're not the swollest person. But I'm freaking head over heels in love with you. <laughs> when you begin to sit in the presence and the love of Jesus, was like we're talking about the gospel, it begins to quiet all those desires for feeling like you're enough because you realize that even though you're not enough, Jesus, God himself, still loves you. You with me? <laughs> How do you deal with unfulfilled desires, you run to the one who can actually fulfill you to see that he's, and to believe that he's good enough, he's strong enough, and frankly, simply, he is enough for your desires because he's good, <laughs> better and bigger than anything the world has to offer. Y'all pray with me. God, thank you that even though we all, me included, too often run to the things of this world for satisfaction, that you are really patient, God, with us. And even when we're impatient and we pull on your pant leg and cry and complain why you're not taking care of us, you still patiently, lovingly provide for us and meet our needs. Lord, I pray that Lord, none of us would have a, a victim mentality, but that, Lord, even in this moment, you would maybe stir our hearts to realize maybe we need to begin to do our part. Lord, if there's people in here that need to take action on what you've enabled and equipped them to do, I pray they would do that. But some of us need to focus on others, quit navel-gazing and just being obsessed with our own problems and struggles and strife and start focusing on other people. God, we ask that as you do that, you begin to change our heart to love you and to love people more. Or some of us just need to be patient because the reality is your plans, your dreams are so much bigger than our lame ideas of what our lives should be. So help us to be patient, not take shortcuts. Those only bring more heartache. Lord, help us to run to you, to know that you're good, you're faithful, you've never let us down, you're never going to let us down. Lord, help us to learn to delight in you, to desire you, and to realize that literally we, we can never get enough of you. That if we'll just be patient and slow down and spend time with you and, and quit 
putting band-aids on our desires and actually come to you, the surgeon who can heal us and meet our needs, Lord, that we would see that you're good. And in your presence is so much joy. Lord, I pray that our group will begin to be defined by joy <laughs> because we're not filled with the things and temporary pleasures of this world, but we're filled with your love and the goodness of God. God, as we sing, I pray that you would stir our hearts for you and remind us you're the only one who can fill us up because you're good. If y'all would, stand and sing with us. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.